Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. It was around 11 in the morning on December 31st of 2017 at a gym near the house. I had done a 30-minute workout on the treadmill, jogging and walking a couple of miles. Then I decided to do a circuit for some muscle toning. While on the first machine, a tightness grew in my chest. Figuring it had to do with the workout itself, I went to another machine. The pressure increased. I cautiously approached the third machine and wondered what was really going on. After a few seconds, I was more certain that this was a heart-related issue. My thought was to take a quick shower and go home or, if needed, go to the hospital. So I took a very quick shower and barely dried off because at this point, the pressure in my chest had been getting quite strong. Barely making it back to the front desk counter, I told the lady I had a heart issue and needed an ambulance right away. She immediately called an ambulance and then helped me walk to a chair. I called my wife to let her know that I was being taken by ambulance to the hospital. I cut the call short. I was too weak to continue talking and fainted. She gets to tell her end of the story at another time. The ambulance was only a couple of blocks away and arrived quickly. EMTs did a very quick evaluation, realizing it was a heart attack, and loaded me into the ambulance. At first, they followed standard protocol, but I told them that the pressure was getting quite unbearable, and they went into hyperdrive. They administered aspirin and nitro and probably some other drugs, but relief wasn't coming. The weakness in my body was total. There wasn't enough strength to even open my eyes. I could hear the EMTs talking urgently. Now I seriously doubted being able to survive the experience. I was wondering if this was a spiritual attack and told God that if it was, I knew he could win the battle. But I also prayed for my family because I knew dying would be extremely hard on them. My father had gone through this type of experience multiple times. Each time I felt a very real possibility that he would not make it. I know that emotion. The thought of maybe not having him around. Thinking about how this would impact mom. The surviving family just isn't prepared for sudden loss. I didn't want that for mine. My eyes were closed and that created a certain darkness. But during this time of prayer, I saw a different blackness. It was a blackness that was totally black. It was slowly and steadily rolling toward me from the back of the ambulance. Somehow, I knew what it was. The valley of the shadow of death, the 23rd Psalm describes. One of the EMTs began repeatedly yelling my name very loudly. It sounded like he was right in my ear. Stay with me, Jerry, he yelled. Don't go. It was just like a scene in a movie. He shouted that we were almost at the hospital. As the rolling blackness reached my feet, he shouted again, Stay with me. I had to make a decision. Did I try to stay alive or let the darkness consume me? I thought if I could somehow find the strength to open my eyes, I would live. If I chose not to open my eyes, my body and life would be covered with the blackness from which there would be no recovery in this life. At that moment, I made the decision to try to open my eyes. It took an incredible effort as the weakness in my body didn't seem to allow it. My eyes did open briefly, perhaps only for a second or less. However, that was sufficient for the blackness to immediately and completely dissipate. Then an EMT said something like, He's back. He then told me that we were almost at the hospital and that they were prepared to receive me. I would go immediately to the cath lab. Then I was able to open my eyes for several seconds from time to time. 
Later, I found out that the surgeon on call was about 15 miles away and that he was en route as soon as the ambulance confirmed that I had had a heart attack. The ride to the hospital was probably just over five minutes. During that time, life and death hung in the balance. A split-second decision to open my eyes allowed my life to continue here on this earth. During that time, I realized more fully something about how I would face death. From time to time, we may think about this, especially during those times when we are with someone else who is potentially facing death. We may like to think that we would know how we would respond when our time came, but do we really know? For much of my life, I would have felt varying degrees of fear around this topic, mostly fear of the unknown. Also, I've thought about how I would not want to miss out on the very good things I experience in this life. Loving relationships are fulfilling, and the thought of not continuing them is painful. During that ambulance ride, I discovered that despite all the unknowns, I was prepared for the transition. I had confidence that God loved and cared for me, and that He was in control. I could trust Him with this event, whether it kept me in this life or took me to the next. And that is a good place to be. But I still had to process the impact of a significant life-threatening event. How would you do that? Do we feel a sense of relief for surviving it? Is anything about our life philosophy or lifestyle reevaluated because of it? Is there an epiphany or two that causes a life course correction? Do we breathe a thank you to a higher power and go on with life as before, almost as if nothing had happened? How do we respond to the close family and friends who are impacted by this kind of experience? Following the surgery, which included placing two stents in the widowmaker artery, I laid in the hospital bed contemplating these questions and more. Earlier that month, two people important to me died unexpectedly. My wonderful niece, who had recently married and was posed to take over the family business, and a friend, a good man with children still at home. While still grieving with my brother and sister-in-law and my friend's widow and children, I could not avoid the question of why they died, and I didn't. There is such a thing as survivor's guilt. As family and friends came to visit, I was quite overwhelmed with the blessings of love in my life. There are some things that can't be completely comprehended. They just have to be absorbed as much as possible. Love is that way. Love of family and friends is a wealth beyond description. So too is the love of God. As I lay in the bed processing all of this, I sensed a loving admonition from God. Don't worry. Don't hurry. It was so clear it seemed to be almost audible. It was strong and definitive. This was God's desire for me. That was God's way of saying to me, I am with you and you can trust me. I wasn't sure what all of that meant, but it couldn't be ignored. It required processing and applying. The day after surgery, my eyes struggled to focus. Depth perception was off as well. It was disconcerting. I mentioned it to my wife Paula and the medical staff. In the weeks following, after visiting with four doctors, it was confirmed that I had something called Graves' disease. Ever heard of it? Me either. Since my activities were quite limited, I began to do some research. Graves' disease is an autoimmune condition that relates to the thyroid. The thyroid is hyper, producing too much hormone. It affects the heart, and it may also lead to thyroid eye disease. Thyroid eye disease is when the fatty tissue behind the eyes builds up and causes the eyes to bulge outward. There is quite a story of my experience with Graves and thyroid eye disease that may get shared at a future time. However, almost three years later, 
it is still an issue. Recovery from the heart attack was slow but steady. A few months of cardiac rehab was very, very helpful. However, Graves' disease was taking a significant toll on my body. Already experiencing double vision, the bulging eyes became serious enough that decompression surgery of the eye sockets was recommended. The ravages of this autoimmune condition within my body caused extreme weakness and tiredness. The medical community did not give me any hope for recovery and stability. They said Graves' disease would have to run its course for a year or two and then it should stabilize at that level. There wasn't much they could do by the way of intervention that would make much difference. That was pretty disheartening. I began to do extensive research trying to find something, anything, that would help, even a little bit. I listened to many audiobooks and podcasts on Graves' disease. I found ways to listen to the content of websites. Over time, it seemed the only possibility for slowing the progression of the disease and probably make improvement was to make a very difficult dietary change. The autoimmune paleo diet seemed to be helpful to many people. The contrast from my previous lifestyle of food to AIP was extreme. I seriously doubt I could have made the transition without Paula's incredible support. She was proactive and encouraging. When I couldn't function very well, she showed her love and patience, as well as helping provide new foods. In June, due to the incredible generosity of a friend, Paula and I decided to take a brief 28th year wedding anniversary trip to Saratoga, a small town in Wyoming. This was going to be a challenge. Because of the double vision, assistance was needed for any walking in unfamiliar areas. Also, following the AIP diet on the road would be extremely difficult. But Paula prepared some food ahead, and we found a little Route 66 motel with a 1950s-style stove. Something unexpected happened on the way to Saratoga. As we headed out of Fort Collins on Highway 287, I began to recall a spot, a little roadside park just south of the Wyoming border. Some 35 years earlier, I had a rather profound experience there. Driving from California in a big Plymouth and pulling a small trailer with all my life belongings, I pulled over to contemplate my move to Colorado. I'd moved to work for a church. I was single. My life was very different than it is now. Paula and I stopped at the same place. I couldn't help but reflect on life from that first time I stopped at this roadside park to this time. When we reached our destination, thoughts welled up strongly within me. They seemed significant. I tried to get them onto a computer screen, but they were too big. Finally, Paula suggested I tell her what I was thinking, and she typed as I talked. When we returned home, I gave these thoughts a little more shape and shared them with my children. A passion burned within me to help them understand what felt like an epiphany to me. Here is an abridged version of what they received. From 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. After my heart attack and as I've processed the autoimmune struggles, I've had the sense that God wanted me to more deeply grasp and clarify something. It was almost there, but not quite. Then, as Mom and I traveled to Wyoming this week, we stopped at a rest stop where I had stopped 35 years ago as I moved from California to Colorado. I stopped then to ask God to please not move me any farther east. When Mom and I stopped, I thought about how God not only answered that prayer, but had so much more good planned for me. I was overwhelmed, actually, with gratitude, and kept thanking God over and over for taking me on a journey out of legalism and into grace and for giving me Mom and you kids. 
What wasn't even on my radar became that which was most important to me. Please hear this again. What wasn't even on my life radar screen became that which was most important to me. These thoughts were with me the next morning when I awoke in Saratoga with a deepened understanding of why everything I'd thought and experienced wasn't enough and what it is that finally makes my life fulfilled. This is it. The God of this universe, through Jesus his Son, invites us into an actual relationship of love with them through his Spirit. I was created for that purpose to enjoy a love relationship that supersedes doing and or being right or wrong, doing and or being good or bad. This is so out of the realm of my growing up experience that it is hard to know how to accept that or live it. Until I really got that I was a son of God, my life was never satisfied. Now it is. God created me, loves me, and wants me to be with Him. What more could I want? only to become more like Him. Being a son of God has now supplied and fulfilled the whole of my context for life. It is complete. Joy or sadness is superseded by His love. Poverty or wealth is superseded by His love. Sickness or health is superseded by His love. Good or bad circumstances are superseded by His love. Art or junk is superseded by His love. Evil and death are superseded and destroyed by His love. In Him I live, move, and have my very being for now and eternity. From Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 12, from the message. How blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He is the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down the earth's foundations, He had us in mind had settled on us as the focus of His love, to made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this! He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His lavish gift-giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people free of penalties and punishment chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. Today, as I remember this time, these thoughts are just as profound and applicable to me as when they were first written over two years ago, actually more so. A couple of weeks ago, toward the end of a very brisk four-mile walk, I suffered a minor heart attack. It wasn't nearly the life-or-death experience of in December of 2017, but now, after a short stay in the hospital and sporting a new stent in the right artery, it is quite easy to reflect again on the fragile mortality of this life and the future beyond it. If you haven't spent time thinking about this, I hope you take the opportunity to do so. Our time here is limited and uncertain. That makes our life here incredibly valuable. When we understand this, 
deeply understand it, so much that we thought was important loses its significance and its priority. At least that's what happened to me. What then becomes paramount is loving relationships with God and with those closest to us. When we accept God's invitation to join His family, His grace is immediate and forever, and it travels our journeys with us. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process grace together, please know that your thoughts and or questions are always welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.